Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the Your Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host today, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined with some giggly little gentlemen. First off, Pete DeMeo. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We missed you last week, Pete. I missed you guys. Yeah. I was traveling, went to New Mexico to visit with a client for a couple of days, which was pretty awesome. Successful trip. It was a great trip. It was good to get out there and kind of you know, see exactly the work that we do and how it impacts you yeah. know, the clients that we work for. So That's awesome. Sorry I missed the podcast, but it was well worth it. Yeah, it, it ended up being a good show. Joined with us today also is Phil Foriska. Hey, everybody. I was not in New Mexico last week, but... I missed the podcast also. When you bachelor party? I was bachelor partying last week. It was um, interesting. I'll leave it at that. Do, do you want us to put the photos on the show notes? Absolutely not. All right. And then rounding out is a repeat from last week. And you had a stellar performance last week. Is Jeremy Razuk. What's up, everyone? Golf clap. Yeah, I was not at a bachelor party or in New Mexico. I was in here. You were in, <laughs> this, Podcasting. in this room recording a very stellar episode about generation z and millennials being a millennial self yes felt like you were kind of mean to the generation z's but that's perfectly acceptable because that's what happens that's yep. just what you're supposed to do right yeah exactly you you always mock and get angry at the generation below you it's just a fact of life and that's what we talked about last week so go check that out if you haven't if this is your first time joining the show as you can tell we like to have a little bit of silliness here and there but we also like to provide value and today we're going to do that in the form of talking about ad targeting and this you know we're going to cross between pay-per-click on google and bing and we're also going to be talking about display a little bit and we'll be talking about facebook ads and kind of all over the place again again like with a lot of our shows this is not an exhaustive list but it hopefully gets you thinking in the right way about how you can maybe use some of these um, opportunities to your advantage when you're creating your advertising mix so Bill, you put these notes together. We're excited to see what you got. But before we do that, let's see what's going on in the news of ruse With hotel... Whoa, what, what are you doing? I'm singing my song. But we recorded it, so you don't have to sing it anymore. Huh, well... Do you want to sing it instead? I don't know. I haven't listened to what you recorded. It was not a great version. No, it was terrible. It was really bad. But we're going to leave it anyway, just so we can make fun oh, of yeah. it. With hotel marketing, I cannot lose. Now it's time for news of ruse <laughs> All right, well, there you go. You just heard the song. That's usually my, my cue to kind of get all excited about the news, a ruse. Yeah. All right, well, let's just jump right in then, huh? Let's go for it. All right, so the first one and the only newsroom today is from USA Today, and the title is, Are TripAdvisor and Other Travel Companies Censoring Their Reviews? Now, before you click on this link in the show notes, keep in mind that USA Today loves ads and I have an ad blocker and I blocked 83 ads on USA Today. So I think it kind of goes toward, you know, marketers are our own worst enemy at times. Maybe they don't need to have 83 ads running on a single page. But anyway, they do. And like I said, the headline is our TripAdvisor and other travel companies censoring reviews. What this goes into is more of a customer's perspective of this one gentleman who left a review for a property in Washington, D.C., and after a while, he noticed that that review was completely deleted. That led him down the rabbit hole of understanding why, and what he found out was what a lot of hoteliers know is if you have a major renovation or major rebranding, TripAdvisor will let you more or less hit the reset button and start over in ter terms of the reviews that you have for your property. As they should. Right? So right. You've, you've made a massive change to kind of eliminate what those bad reviews were talking about. So yeah, if they're not relevant like, anymore, if they're talking about the the faded carpets and the bad wallpaper and that doesn't exist anymore, then there's no relevance to the review anymore. Exactly. So you know, he, he found that out. But what they also found is in many cases, from a non-hotel perspective, primarily from a restaurant perspective, is a little bit more subjective in terms of what TripAdvisor will show and not show. And assuming that the review does meet the uh, terms and conditions for any review, they found in a few cases where reviews seem to have been deleted upon request of the restaurant. 
whereas it was an actual review, but it was a, a negative review or scathing in some form or fashion, and they actually had it removed. You, you know, a lot of those cases were made case by case basis, and it's always you know, secondary of why it happened, TripAdvisor's not chiming in. But I think it kind of does raise the question of TripAdvisor has to be very careful about the public perception of the value of their reviews because the last <coughs> thing they need is already having problems on the hotel TripAdvisor relationship. Are they doing or reducing the value of their relationship to the guest? When you have somebody like Google who it doesn't matter what review you post, it's out there and it is very organic almost to a fault. Yeah, TripAdvisor really needs to be careful in general. I think that they're losing sight of what made them valuable in the first place. But this this is the kind of journalism that we're, we're all susceptible to nowadays. And there's a law, I think it was written by an English um, technology journalist back in 2009. And it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, but it, it it's called the Betteridge's, Betteridge's Law of Headlines. And uh, he, what he basically said is any headline for an article that finishes with a question mark is posing a question typically can be answered no but it's, which is really true it most is the, of the premise time. of ancient aliens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly so so are they censoring mm, not really but are there terms that if you violate they're going to remove are there cases when if you change management company whatever are they going to remove reviews for sure I think from your perspective as a hotel, you should be aware of what those rules and regulations are so that you can deal with negative reviews the appropriate way if you want to get them removed because they're in violation of terms, like they abuse an employee or something like that, they use profanity. There's there's a list of them that you can find on TripAdvisor. But, you know, reviews are still important. The perception of people is, and you talked about this last week, Jeremy, that you always use reviews when you're buying products. I do, I do the same. I do it when I travel. Most people do. In our um, studies that we've seen that we did for consumers, it's over 85%, I think, was of people said they won't make a booking without reading a review first. So it's still important, and you need to manage them. But USA Today. Well, I mean, it's, silly it's a USA Today headline. article, right? Yeah, so. for sure. Do we have any more news reviews? I think that's it on the news reviews. All right, well, let's jump right in to the topic at hand. So we've got like 15 different yeah. ways that we can target. And we'll talk a little bit about some um, demographic targeting, which is what most people think of when they're talking about targeting. Uh, and we'll talk about some behavioral. I don't think we'll really spend any time talking psychographic today. It's kind of, that's something that kind of bridges the gap between demographic and behavior and it's more about sentiment and, and trying to get inside the head of what people are thinking and you know i think there's some merits to it but but let's stay kind of basic today talk about the things that we know are tangible effective repeatable and easy to implement so well, while you listener are hearing these different types of targeting i think you're going to be able to put some of those psychographic targeting ideas in your own head and and come up with some some things you can do yourself so like Stuart mentioned in the at the outset here this is by no no means comprehensive this is more more a thinking exercise for you to find um, which of these match your typical customer base how you could utilize them to find brand new customers right um, this is this is uh, more of a thinking exercise for everybody yeah and, and and also look at these, you know, we're going to break them down in, into their individual components, right, as we go through them. But the best kind of targeting does two things. One is it combines multiple methods of segmentation. So we're not just going to do targeting necessarily on a one dimension. I mean, we, we'll give you examples of one dimensional targeting throughout this as, as we go through. But really think about it is how can you combine these and find a recipe between the different types of targeting that make the most sense for specific campaigns that you're doing. And then also we're going to be talking about targeting based on a segment of people, but you can also reciprocate that and do um, omission. So you can say, I'm going to target this group of people, but I'm going to remove this group of people. And we'll, we'll kind of talk through that as we go and give examples as well. But again, like Phil said, this is a thinking exercise. Just want you to stretch yourself beyond the basic targeting that you've probably all been doing and start to think about what are some other opportunities out there. You know, and I would also say this, of you know, everything we talk about, and when we bring on a new client who has an existing 
paid search or a paid social campaign of any kind, this is where you can typically make the most improvements because this is more about eliminating people who are not relevant or ads that are not relevant to certain guests. So for instance, if I am marketing a property in say Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we are today, I want to make sure that I'm not heavily promoting it in Eugene, Oregon, because that is not going to be my primary market. And when we take over a new account and we see that there's minimal targeting in place, other than let's say a keyword level, mm -hmm. you see so much wasted ad spend that not only is expensive because you're wasting it, but it's also budget that you can no longer put toward an effective campaign. So it's, it's kind of a double whammy that if you're not doing aggressive targeting in your campaigns, you need to focus on that. And we're coming up to planning season, so just think about that as we enter 2020, that this is a big deal. Yeah, and, and I think, too, when we're talking through some of these, and, and, and we'll give specific ex examples in a minute, you know, it, it took us a while to catch on to this. I mean, it's been a few years now, but we we used to kind of broad paint broad brush strokes when we were doing some targeting sometimes. And what we've realized as we've evolved and matured and, and tested is that sometimes you can run the same ad to an audience, but if you break that audience up, and, and it maybe even still serve the same ad, maybe not. But you can get creative with maybe if it's on search, you can get creative with the bid strategy mm -hmm. based on them. So you you deliberately push more budget towards the most qualified people in that broader group, and then you can then based on ROI, right? So well, I'll give some specifics as we get this. There's one in particular type of segmentation that or targeting that we did that and it's had a huge effect. So let's go through the list. So let's start with one sure. more one. Um, I think one, 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 one is geographic targeting. Um, pretty much every hotel out there has a specific geographic area that drives a lot of business to them. Unless you're, ex you know, extremely transient highway base, you know, just stop along the night kind of business you're going to have people coming from specific spots in the country. Yeah, but geography can be where they live. It could be where they are right now. Like there's, there's True. dimensions of geography. Right? So I, I was starting with the where is your where's your main customer base. Yeah. Go ahead and run specific campaigns to your main customer base in, let's say, you know, and we we'll, use Myrtle Beach, so let's use Myrtle Beach as an example. We know that the majority of people come, come travel to Myrtle Beach come from the East Coast. So we'll spend the majority of our budget targeting the top 10, 12 East Coast states that send a lot of traffic our way. We know we can spend, say, 80% of our marketing budget there and spread the other 20% elsewhere. If we wanted to do just that one basic targeting method, I think that would be fair. Right. And that, that's one where I was just talking about where you can get more granular and find opportunities to be more efficient with your spend, right? So, for example, if we're talking about Myrtle Beach as a destination and we're targeting the East Coast, that that precludes, say, California, right? That, that says, all right, we're not going to target California. Well, that, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm saying you should treat it differently. Your bid strategy should be differently because if someone does book from California, they might be more valuable because they might stay longer. Mm -hmm. There's opportunities. But then also, if you look at the states that you are targeting where you get a lot of traffic, just breaking them down into top tier and second tier and third tier and then manipulating your bid strategy for each one of those segments, can you can find efficiencies there because right. you might find that people aren't bidding for the keywords you're targeting for people in California. So you might be able to spend a lot less CPC targeting someone in California than you do someone in Ohio, which is a typical driver, you know, drive market for Myrtle Beach. Right, and you also get to see which one of those individual areas um, you're truly getting the most out of. So you can break up those campaigns and say, I think you should start by state. I feel like that's a pretty broad brush when we're talking about targeting. You can see which states are driving you the most traffic. So let's say Ohio is a, a, a big driver to this market specifically. Are we blowing all of our money on people searching from Ohio and, and not getting any from, say, drive markets if we're targeting all of these yeah, states like at North once? Carolina, yeah. Right. So 
Um, splitting those up allows you to split up your budget, allows you to use your budget more efficiently and truly understand where people are coming from, where you should be placing more or less of your money. Right, and, and with any of these, you can also game the system. So if we're talking about, say, Google Ads as a specific example, right? we know how the bid auction works. We know that there are factors that will drive your cost per click in, in your ranking within the bid auction. And one of those is your quality store, score, and that can be based on you know a, a number of factors, including the ad matching the keyword, including the landing page matching the keyword, things like that. So another another way you can get granular when you're talking about geographic targeting is say, okay, I'm going to have this segment for Ohio and this segment for North Carolina and this segment for West Virginia, and maybe my ad copy and my landing page are going to reference certain things. About unique to those different geographic locations so that I increase my quality score and drive down my CPC for each one of those individually, which I couldn't do if I bucketed them all together. And, and, you're, and you're creating a, a real um, beginnings of a relationship and relevance to the person who lands. Yep. Um, so kind of adding to that, everything with targeting is adding to, so you're going to hear that probably a lot. Um, Adding to that what we just talked about and, and as we move into this next subject here, so you can refine that type of targeting for people who are physically in that area or are regularly in that area or people who have shown interest in that area. So there's that's, that's definitely a different segment of people. Um, people who have shown interest, way different than people who are physically in there. So... Um, then we're moving on to the next geo target would be say people in the drive markets and this is um, very useful for uh, weekend destinations um, people who are within a couple hours hour and a half that travel to you every weekend from the same areas you can target those areas specifically people who are in them not necessarily have shown interest in them so if you're in Buffalo, New York, and you want to target people in, um, say, you know, Erie, Pennsylvania, not too far away, um, you want to you want to target people in that area, not people who have shown interest in Erie. So understand the difference there. Yeah. So the two sides. So it's one is their physical location, and two is their intent to travel to a, a position to a specific location. And if you're doing this in Google Ads, that's something you physically have to change within their settings. This isn't something that's a default, or you should just assume that's within the settings of Google Ads. You need to change. I want to target people in this area, or people who have shown interest in this area. So, yeah, keep so, that. I mean, obviously, ge geography is very important to everyone because. Regardless of what type of property we are, we're probably going to see repeated patterns in terms of where people are coming from to visit us most of the time. So I think everyone should be doing some form of ge geographic targeting. And before we beat geographic targeting to death, if you're targeting people in a specific area, let's talk about the most refined one, which is a near me campaign. And essentially that would be you drawing a little radius and targeting around your business and someone searching hotels near me game over like that's that's it within you know a mile of your property or you can get down within google you can get down to a kilometer within your property anyone physically in that area searching hotels near me you're you're well um you should be showing ads to those people. yeah it's a captive audience right it's showing very high intent and you also need to think through you know the, the context of that search. So more than likely, if someone's doing a near me type search, they're probably on a mobile device. So really critical that the experience is quality and, and frictionless when they land, when they click the ad and when they land on your site, that you make it easy for them to book, that you're showing rates for right now, not for six weeks out, that you're not trying to push the back to school special, you're trying to say, hey, let's get you through the funnel as quickly as possible with a really great UI that's optimized for mobile. And we'll talk about you know layering your targeting later, but that's a good example story. So you could target uh, hotels near me, uh, bid adjustment for a mobile device, and let's say most of those type of searches happen between, let's say, 9 p.m. And, and midnight. 
you can target that time of day as well. We'll get the time of day later. But mm-hmm. once you start layering that targeting, it becomes super effective and you're way more willing to spend the money on that type of search. Right. So that you could kind of take a hotel tonight kind of approach and, and make some assumptions. If someone's near me late at night on a mobile device, on a mobile device, you can say, hey, we've still got three rooms left tonight at this special rate book now. Right. So you got to really think through strategically the whole flow, not just... I want to get an ad in front of someone, but really you can't bank an ad, right? You can't put cash that out. You have to make money. So you've got to think about this ad is a means to an end. This ad is going to drive someone to an experience on my website to ultimately convert. You've got to think through the context of that. Absolutely. When I think on a near me campaign, that's more important than ever. Obviously you should always do it, but if you're doing a near me campaign from a hotel perspective, the search to consumption is probably measured in hours. So just kind of, probably minutes, really. Right. I mean, think about yeah. it. If they're doing a hotel near me and it's, you know, 5 p.m., they're driving to the property. So you want to be very... Hyper- or they're hammered leaving a sporting event and their <laughs> hotel's <true>. near me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. We're already 20 minutes in. And All right. We, um, roll we're on, on the first one. So, so let's just kind of roll through some examples here. Uh, I'm not going to drone on. Do you want to go the next one, Jeremy? Sure. So look at that. Age and generation is our second option. Oh, we're passing it to the millennial for the generational Yeah, how about that? So basically taking your targeting and fine-tuning it based on age and generation. um, And Google and Facebook really does a good job of letting you uh, target those demographics where if you have a special for, you know, a – maybe a younger demographic for like a spring break deal. Uh, you know, you can, and if that's who you're trying to attract then you could uh, just target those, that uh, generation or those eight, that age group. Yeah. Or if it's an older, you know, something for an older demographic, you know, you can easily target an older age group. Yeah. What I've seen some of this is, is like when people do snowbird type campaigns, they, they're, they're a summer destination, but they can get people to come and stay for a month or two during the winter time. I mean, typically young people aren't doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So they can target based on age at that point and target an older demographic. Yeah, I mean, and I guess speaking of, I mean, other ways you can do that, kind of going right on to like to number three is gender is also targeting from that perspective. If, you know, if it's for a girl's getaway, specifically you want to make a negative bid adjustment toward your male searchers. And I think all this, when you're going through and looking at this, one thing to kind of keep in mind is none of the targeting we're talking about are account level. This is all very specific Campaign and very level. granular. Yeah. That, and, and this is why you really need to have someone focusing on your either PPC campaign or social campaign or, or whatever it might be is you don't want to necessarily do a negative bid adjustment for males on your account. But Never. for the campaign that you're running yeah. for the girls getaway you absolutely want to do so yeah the reciprocal of that and and you know you might feel uncomfortable doing it because it kind of sounds sexist right but it's just common sense and it's math at the end of the day yeah or maths if you're from the motherland you say it's a golf campaign right the majority of people that play golf in, in north america are male right and if so you're if you're promoting a golf package you may want to just segment between men and women and change your bid adjustments. Or, or let's let's try to not sound sexist, right? Say so you have a bachelor party package and a bachelorette party package. You're obviously targeting different groups there, right? Yep. You're targeting men or you're targeting women. Both are doing the same thing. They're both coming to stay with you. But you again, the quality score can increase by based on the verbiage that you're using. Nailed it. Yeah. Hey, well done saving me from being sexist. There you go. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, let's move on from the touchy subjects and go to income. (laughs) (laughs) So I think this one makes a lot of sense for um, luxury properties especially. Uh, You have a product that not everyone can afford. You you know it. You know, not everyone can afford a $500 a night, but some can. And if you want to just target those people, that's available to you. That's available to you in Google, and it's available to you in Facebook. I think that it's it, it can be used strategically. So yeah. what happens if 
Google or Facebook does not have an income attribute for me. You're, you're, you fall under an unknown category, um, which, I mean, it, you can exclude those people if you'd like uh, with, with negative bid adjustments, or I, I'm not entirely sure how Facebook does it because theirs is uh, you set the... Little slider. Yeah. Um, but with Google, it shows you here's your you know bottom 10%, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, top 10%. That's really cute, Pete, that you think that Facebook doesn't know everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. They yeah. know your income to the penny. Yeah. yeah. But another way you could do income, too, is on the reciprocal. So you talked about the high income and, and the luxury properties. But any, for any property, you could create a campaign targeting lower-income folks that are within your bracket. But then the, the verbiage there could be deals and cheap. And you, mm-hmm. know, you can use words that are going to appeal more to a, a lower-income type of scenario. So. And, it, when, and again, layering. You know lower income, or at least we our data shows that lower income is more on mobile devices so you might bid adjustment up for mobile device on the lower income people with ads targeting those people yep. we'll get into the fun layering later but anyway that's another all right what's next so next is parental status and so this is <clears throat> pretty great if you know especially in the area that we are where it's a very family friendly you know beach retreat type thing where you can target people based on you know how many the children that they have so parents with preschoolers parents with elementary school kids and stuff like that and really uh, showcase you know what features your hotel has that, that are family friendly or if you have family friendly packages and cater that to that demographic and the image that you use within those ads should be a you know family with that age children that you're targeting just to kind of um, allow the the viewer to put themselves in that place Right. And one thing we haven't really talked about is when, when you're crafting, say it's a search ad right, versus a display ad, there's a lot of opportunity to add call-out extensions mm-hmm. and things like that on within the ad that displays. So, Extensions are your friend. <laughs> you need to get that shirt. That extensions gonna. are your friend. Uh, but you could, for example, in this case, if you're targeting people with kids, you could use one of those spots to sell the fact that you have kid-friendly amenities, you have a kid's club, you kid's activities, whatever it is that you have. But that this is where be, getting granular with your targeting is really important because you can be a little smarter and figure out what is it that matters to this group of people, whatever that group or segment is, and put that value proposition in front of them in the ad copy, in the in the photos, if it's a display ad, et cetera. Or, I mean, here, here's a good one, and it's probably a little off because we're used to talking about hotels, but vacation rental properties with big homes. Um, conversely, instead of targeting families with little kids, you target families with adult children that want to take the whole family yeah, on vacation, separate rooms, yep. multi-generational vacations. This is great for that as well. Yep. Cool, and that leads you right into the next you know, type of targeting, which is the life events from you know, graduating to newly married to moving, whatever it might be. You know, that's incredibly important to be able to do that. And I think a lot of people think of Facebook when they think parental status, life events, and things along those lines. But that's across the board. You, know, you have the ability to set these type of targeting. And depending on your campaign, they can make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it, it can go beyond just, you know, the, the targeting on, on paid ads and things like that. This is something you can also capture in your own database. You can start to col- capture things like your the anniversary of a wedding and that, you know, and you can target on things like that. But I think this is one that's really overlooked and it's a huge opportunity. Because, Big time. Because it's, it's so specific and unique. And, and if I know that someone just got engaged and I offer wedding stuff, and I can target them with honeymoon packages and things like or that. Or if you're a hotel that hosts weddings. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many clients have come to us and say, hey, we host weddings, but we can't get anyone in the door. Yeah. Well, are you targeting those people yeah. who just got engaged? All these people not? that you know just got engaged. You target the heck out of them because they're gonna they're planning a wedding right now. And you can and again, you can overlay that with geography. So it's people within a two hundred mile radius that just got you know, or their hometown is your mm-hmm. town. You know, they they might live have moved from, you know, Austin, Texas to Ohio, but Facebook still knows what their hometown is, 
And if they're female, so now you're doing gender and hometown and life event, life event now you have a campaign. It seems too easy, doesn't it? It does. It's, it's, yeah, it's shooting fish in a barrel. Fishing with a hand grenade, huh? That's right. All right, so um, next one would be languages. This one does not apply to everyone, but if you are in a unique situation where you have people traveling to your property or your area from other countries, this can be huge. Um, we've had a lot of properties that... Um, Southern Florida gets a lot of people from Brazil. We've had even the New Mexico property mm-hmm. you were talking about has a lot of people coming from Mexico. So we can we can serve them with, um, you know, ads with Spanish ad copy, you know, serving to people who speak Spanish or people who speak Portuguese. That is known by the advertising platforms. Mm-hmm. So if we're, we're <coughs> serving our ads with, you know, that, that specific language to people speaking that language that can go a long way and again this is just one of those layering options that you have and i feel like language is really an underutilized one of kind of all the ones that we're talking about because your competitors are not doing it and it's a big part of our society is people who speak different languages people coming from different cultures and they're going to go where they feel welcome if you are being a good hospitable hotelier you're going to try to speak to those people in their native language and if you can target in the case of our new mexico client if you can talk to the people coming from juarez or you know chihuahua or some other place in mexico in their native language and bring them up to visit you it's only going to benefit you and give them a better experience at the property and this is another case where you want to think through the whole journey right, right. so you you, ser- you know that they're a Spanish native speaker, you know their geography, you target them with a sp- Spanish language ad, send them to a Spanish language page mm-hmm. and a Spanish language booking process. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Yes, that is... And the- if you have a Spanish language dedicated phone number for that, you know, the person who answers is going to speak to them in their language. I know that's somewhat rare, but I know some of you have it. So please just take the steps to think out this whole marketing process you keep using the word layering and i I feel like i'm gonna make that my word for 2020 is layered everything is about layering it's your layer cake Pete. yeah you you can't do one without the other you just got to keep you know building layers to improve that sounds like a nickname (laughs) hey it's layer cake Pete. (laughs) i feel there's better nicknames out there for me than layer cake Pete. i I can't think of any I can think of That's off-air one. I mean, it's, it, it's an upgrade from B-Murder. He's, <laughs> he's just George Costanza over there. Call me yeah. T-Bone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Layer cake it is. That's going to stick. Call me layer cake. All right. I think we have a couple a uh, little more controversial ones coming Yeah, up. so these next yeah. two are, are ones that I, I personally think you should probably... There are some fringe cases. But I put I, a real fringe case that may work. Yeah, but still so the next two is political um, persuasion and racial... Or ethnic, was it ethnic? Racial affinity. Racial affinity. Yeah. So you got to be really careful with these. Very. Because they can really backfire and, yeah. So I what's think your we fringe all case? So what's fringe case for political affiliation as a hotelier. If you know that there is a, a convention or a rally or something going on right near your hotel in your town and you want to target people who might be coming in for said event you can target you know again layered geo area 200 miles around with political affiliation promoting that your hotel is you know a a mile from the event that could work that way you're not necessarily politically aligning yourself with the event but you're just promoting that you're close to it i think that's safe because you have to know that that facebook and twitter and and even google are kind of cracking down on what you're allowed to do in terms of political advertising so not necessarily aligning yourself with any political group but just saying how close you are to a political group's thing while using that type of targeting can make sense just be very careful so you don't recommend saying put on your maga hat and come on in no, <laughs> but as we're heading into it, the depends 20- on I don't know. It depends on what group you're targeting. But I'm you're, not going to go there. Deep into the 2020 election cycle, 
and there are a ton of <clears throat> different rallies and things along those lines where if you know that they're in your area a political targeting I mean, could make a lot let's, of sense. Let's, let's be real. Put a real world example. Bernie just came to town. If you wanted yeah. to target people within 50 miles of here who are pretty liberal uh, and you put a Facebook ad out saying hey, you know, Bernie's in town. Come stay with us. Go ahead. Yeah. Just know what you know know what that might do yeah i think the the only reason that becomes a touchy subject is if you start making a position versus just saying hey just saying hey we're close you need a place to sleep come and protest at our property (laughs) yeah Yeah. don't do that please (laughs) please don't do that yeah so those two that and and the and racial affinity i just i mean i just saying you you probably want to just step away from that unless you have something real specific you'll know if it's a relevant metric for you what what is available to you is not as refined as you'd hoped it would be and i'll leave it at that (laughs) (laughs) wow you said to tease (laughs) all right so so that was kind of the broad strokes of the demographic targeting right so let's move on to behavioral stuff personally and i've said this on the show before I think we're going to continue to see a migration away from demographic targeting for everything we do, for communication, for advertising, everything. And as technology improves, as AI becomes more of a factor, as we're able to get more granular and one-to-one, I personally believe it's more effective and it is better for everyone if we move towards a one-to-one behavioral-based targeting approach to everything we do. And, And there are limitations right now, right? So if you do, for example custom audiences or or remarketing list you have to have a certain number of people that fit that criteria to be able to create a targeted campaign but when you look at things like email marketing sms push notifications card abandonment things like that that there are or dynamic ads for travel with facebook there's a lot of opportunities now to get down to the granular nitty-gritty of what some specific person just did and then target them back based on that behavior and i halfway agree with you yeah well it's like you know the amazon example that we discussed earlier today you know if i search for a specific product on amazon yes i'm logged in right so they know who i am they have my identity but that that product will follow me around the web um yes i mean there's definitely you have to watch out for privacy concerns and list constraints and we're not going to get into the very technical part of that but i think the why I say I half agree with you is because I think the real benefit is to take behavioral and demographic layering those together is really word. You can't use it's layer. my word he told, right. he told me you he stole my word. All right. you want to be layer cake Phil now sure I'm layer cake Phil All right. but if you can layer these two types of targeting together you're going to be much more effective yeah there's going to be a little more granular, granular stuff you can do with behavioral but that's all the more effective when you when you layer that on top of demographic. Sure. I, I agree. I mean, I think the, the example that I, I use a lot when I'm speaking at conferences is, you know, a lot of people do demographic targeting on something real simple like the type of traveler they are, right? And we didn't talk about that with demographics, but it's, it's a business traveler or a leisure traveler. What did they come and stay with me as last time they, they traveled? That's something you can target people on with your communications or your advertising. But, you know, I'm both. Sometimes I'm a business traveler. Sometimes I'm a leisure traveler. In the same city. Right. In the same hotel. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I'm traveling with my kids and sometimes I'm not. So I, I think that's where behavior has a huge advantage over demographic because demographic makes a lot of assumptions. And that one of those is that it's what who you are is static and it never changes. You know, when you're demographic targeting, that's that's a rigid thing. When you're behavioral targeting it's fluid and it's real time and it's based on context and demographics is never based on context. So let, let's go through let's some jump of these right things. into behavior then. So I think the biggest and most vast behavioral targeting is interest based targeting. There are a ton of options when it comes to interest based targeting, both through Google and Facebook. I mean, if you have a segment of people who stay with you that are interested in something specific, you're likely able to target them based on that interest. Um, I think the one that applies to almost all of you hoteliers out there listening to us is an in-market audience 
based on destination they're traveling to. So we have the luxury in Myrtle Beach of trips to Myrtle Beach. Some are a little more broad than that. Some are much more granular than that. So see what's available to you. Um, you know, people who are interested in trips to Myrtle Beach, we are going to spend vastly more because guess what? Google or Facebook has already pre-qualified that person as interested in our area. I don't have to do the pre-qualification. It's done for me. I'm willing to spend more money based on these big data aggregators saying that, yeah, this person's ready to travel to your area. Spend more on them. Sure thing. And it, the conversion rates through the roof in comparison to when we don't use this type of targeting. It's yeah. definitely like very high intent based yeah. for some of that stuff. And then Facebook also has their own their trip consideration mm -hmm. for people who are looking to travel. And that's something that you can select if you're looking to, you know, target that those people who are looking to travel. And that's, I mean, again, that that type of interest is broad. It can get further down if you're if you're a, a hotel that has some kind of fitness wellness program. There's all that type of interest-based targeting out there. Um, you know, you offer you offer a yoga plan or you know whatever. You can target people who are interested in that specific thing. Um, go for it. You know, if you're a you know eco-friendly green hotel target people who are interested in those type of things yeah you have a farm to table restaurant yeah like people who are interested into food into organic into whatever layer 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 this type of targeting layer cake layer cake phil <laughs> i mean even going beyond that if you just look at the people that you know are interested in things that relate to your property look at where they're consuming their media are they looking at a specific youtube channel more specific website, you can use placements to target those folks specifically. So let's say you're a, you know, a big hotel for, for runners, let's say, and you know that they're specifically focusing on a, people like to watch a specific running channel. Well, you can focus your ads on that specific YouTube channel to drive them to your property because you know they're going to fit your interest base. You just blended a uh, an interest and a placement, and I really like that. I did. Yeah, that, that was a that layer. Was, that was supposed to be just a, a seamless, seamless segue. <laughs> yeah, because placements was our next one. It was. Is, that's why people, I said that. Because people, you know, when we're talking about targeting, people don't really think of that as the component of targeting because they're thinking about, you know, more on the demographic side. But where they're going to be, that placement mm -hmm. of the ad and the medium and the channel is, is is to me is part of the segmentation part of the targeting and so i absolutely agree that it should be a part of this list a lot of people probably wouldn't put it on this list i i think placements are extremely effective because i mean like pete said you're allowed to target apps specific apps you're allowed to target youtube channels um, YouTube videos, specific videos yeah. on YouTube. You yeah, can so if you want to target everyone websites. that looks up Baby by Justin Bieber, you can do that. How about Baby Shark? Or Baby Shark by Justin Bieber. I don't think he's saying <laughs> that song. I think that was someone else. Sounds the same. Anyway, um, you can you can go you can go real in depth on on placements if you know that a certain demographic of people that are likely to stay with you visit a certain app or use a certain app. Like you're a, you're a big um, hunting resort, uh, you know you target apps used by <coughs> hunters. That type of that type of stuff can is it allows you to get super granular. So let's move on to the next one for the sake of time, which ironically the next one is time of day, which you know is tough. It's sort of behavioral. It depends on how you use it. It's sort of a layer cake because you know you you kind of parlay it with other stuff, but. How are we using time of day? What are some examples you would give? Time of day, I think if you're going to use it by itself, is best for people with limited budget by taking the data that they already have and saying, okay, I get the most bookings on Tuesdays or I get the most bookings on Tuesdays between 5 and 6 p.m. And then that's where you're willing to spend the majority of your budget. Like you don't spend on Tuesdays other than between 5 and 6 yeah. p.m. If you have a very limited budget, this can work wonders for you. Yeah, and I've always thought of time of day as a tool to extend your budget and to find these ultra-qualified people. Like, so for your, your near me, hotels near me campaign, you don't necessarily need to run that at 7 a.m. to noon because you don't have a hotel room for them at that point. Typically, that's going to be a little bit later in the day. So... 
you know, if you can, to your point, layer those different, you know, targets. Yeah, time of day works. Time of day works great as a layer, or it works great if you're very, very limited on your budget and you can only run for a few hours a day. Pick the most important hours of the day for you. Yeah, and you can look at it like the average value per booking, and that might change based on the time of day for you or the day of week sure. or stuff like that. Yeah, it's all about your data. Just pay attention. Yeah. All right, what's next? Big one, website visitor lists. So, I mean, you can go as broad as visited your website to visited my king room page, like my, my king bed you know, page. That's, that's where this can get... Um, you know, pretty broad to pretty granular, or visited the page directly before said confirmation page. We can get we can get yeah. really down the funnel on this type of stuff. And this is also one of those ones where you can use it as a negative. Like they reached the booking confirmation page. They've made a booking. So let me take them out of everything I'm running because I don't longer need to add Big big caveat there. Yeah. If you have a booking engine that takes people off of your website to a different site, this is no longer relevant to you. But if you're using the fuel booking engine, this is very relevant. <laughs> yeah, and this is another area. This is one that I'm really excited about. And, and it's where a lot of my time and energy is going into figuring out, you know, we, we have a, a product, a fuel AI-powered CRM. And one of the things that we're really experimenting with a lot and, and having a lot of success with is not just the specific pages that people are visiting on the website, but what they're doing, the behavior within the website. So figuring out, Things like what dates are they searching for? Who are they? What number? How many people they're putting into the search? In leveraging that to create not just ads but also messaging through push notifications, through SMS, through email back to the individual. Things like card abandonment on the basic side, but getting more granular and saying, okay, someone that is searching and lands on a page related to kid-friendly activities, let me now dynamically serve them content and advertising related to the other content I have that is kid friendly and is going to nudge them through the funnel and, and ultimately lead to a better conversion. That's what our AI piece, the machine learning piece of our eCRM does is it automatically recognizes those patterns of what content and what behavior within the website um, people have done before and what it's likely going to mean for the people that come and exhibit the same behavior now and what can I do to short circuit that and nudge them faster through the funnel that to me that's the future of targeting when I say the one-to-one behavioral stuff this is where I get really really excited um, the one the one thing I did want to point out in this is when, when you start using something called a what we call a converter list somebody who's already booked with you <clears throat> no longer needs to see your advertising so this is your huge exclu- exclusion list. Unless you're doing this specifically for upsells of people who have converted with you, you need to exclude converters from everything that you're showing that is deals, specials, whatever related, trying to get them to book. They need to be excluded. So if you can create a converters list based on your website visits, please exclude them. And if you can't, call us because we can give you a booking engine and analytics integration that does that. Well, because I mean, everything we're talking about is working from a finite budget. Mm -hmm. If you had no budget whatsoever, you would do just a spray and pray mentality because you're targeting everybody. Everybody. But the reality is, whomever is listening to this right now, they do not have an unlimited budget. What? It's true. If you do, definitely call us. We're we're targeting the wrong household income. I know. Target unlimited. Yeah, that's right. But if you have a limited budget of any kind, this stuff is such a force multiplier in terms of being able to help you better convert your guest. Yeah, so just looking at, say, remarketing lists for search ads, right? That's something that opens up a wealth of keywords that you can't typically get a good ROI on. You shouldn't. You shouldn't target unless you have somebody who's familiar with you first. Right. Yeah. So you can, uh, the case that I talk to clients about a lot is, you know, if, if you're in Austin, Texas and you're an individual hotel, you should never run ads on the keyword Austin hotels or hotels in Austin on its own, right? Without some kind of segmentation because the ROI for that is going to be terrible because people are so far up the funnel that they're not ready to make a decision yet. So you're, you're, just not going to get the return but guess what if someone's been on your site and done a search and is familiar with you and has shown strong interest and you put them into a remarketing list 
then you can you can get away with targeting those people for those broader keywords because it is more likely to lead to a better ROI. All right, Jeremy, you want to tackle the next one? I know you like this one. Sure. Uh, the next one, or number 14, 14, 14, is similar to audiences. So taking the audiences that you already have and basically creating lookalike audiences of that audience. Um, so taking converters or maybe an email list of some kind and just <clears throat> making another audience that shares characteristics to your guests that you've already had and targeting you know, that look like that audience. Right, so like uh, one we use often is similar to all converters. Um, so again, that converters list we just talked about, people who have already purchased a room in your hotel, <clears throat> you can use Google and Facebook to find people who are very similar to those people who have booked with you. Consider that a new guest and a real new potential guest. and you know, tailor your ads towards those type of audiences. It's super effective. Yeah, this is one of those ones where it's a little bit voodoo to some people, but you've just got to kind of experiment and trust it and see if it works for you. For us, it's worked wonders. Yeah, agreed. And this is a good one because a lot of a lot of the other ones, you know, you're, you're basing it on stuff you know, and when we were talking about the website behavior, it's, it's people that have you've kind of already got somewhat in your funnel somewhere, right? They're already maybe aware of your brand or they found you somewhere. This one I like because it typically is going to target new guests, right? People that haven't found you before, maybe aren't even actively searching for you. So this but you're is, leveraging data that you never got. Right. You're leveraging data that the big boys have, yeah. Facebook has and Google has. This is, this is where you can use them and their powerful machine learning. Right. For you. All the scary stuff that you aren't happy that they do on you, this is where you can use it to your advantage. But this is another case where you really need to think through the entire process, right? Because if someone likely isn't aware of you, maybe isn't even actively looking for you, this is where when the landing page you send them to, the ad copy that you present to them has to be compelling to them. You gotta really sell the value, your your unique value proposition to someone that has never seen you before. Yeah, please understand right. what this person is. This is someone who is absolutely not familiar with you, but they're like people who are familiar with you. So right. don't treat them as if they know you. Right. So figure out what it is that appealed to those people and why they stay with you. Talk to your guests, understand what why they're booking with you, and then use that information to put push to them on the ad copy and on the landing page as well. All right. We're running on here. Let's get to the most important and the last one. Your email you think this is most important? I think so. Well, I, I think it's for good. me, it's really effective. So what, I think what, it's most important. I think yeah. it's ground zero. This is the first yeah. thing you yeah. should be doing. Yeah. Right? Um, so this is your targeting to your email list, segmenting your email lists, and targeting those people based on geography. This is all the stuff we talked about earlier. Based on different geography, uh, you know where people from your email list are coming from, especially if they've stayed with you. Um, you you know where you know what behavior. Um, sometimes you know why they stayed with you. Um, you know if they're a family. You know all of these different things about these people. So segment your email lists based on that. You can import these email lists into Google, into Facebook, and then target them based on all the things we just talked about. Yeah, we're saying layer. email lists, right? But we really mean your database, your yeah. own database exactly. of all, all the demographic and behavioral information that you've collected and should be should be collecting. Uh, our, our product, the Fuel AI-powered CRM, does a really good job of building a very complex three-dimensional model of every guest based and, on everything you've ever known about them. So And it's dynamic. And, yeah, and it's real-time, and so you can build these segments based on, you know, are they opening an email? Are they clicking on an email? Did they stay this time last year? What room type they booked? Who did they stay with? Any data you have on this person, you can leverage and then automatically in real time push out the segments that you create or AI creates and push those out to custom audiences or to targeted lists on any of your ad platforms. Uh, this is something we, we've been experimenting with a lot over the last six or so months and really has moved the needle tremendously. You know, because what we're really doing is taking all the intelligence we have, all the data we have from a guest and using that to reinforce all the advertising that we've been doing already mm -hmm. and doing it smarter, more sophisticated, 
leveraging AI and machine learning to to take that to the next level. So we, it's not just us humans trying to make guesses. The best, the best thing that I find have found about this is you're taking a whole list, uh, you're you're dynamically entering that list. So if it's say a 30 day list or whatever that recycles itself, you never have to go input the brand new list manually into these ad platforms and redate it and all that yeah. garbage that it had, we had to do in the past. This is a don't touch it and here you go we've created this segment the the fuel ai powered crm pushes it right into uh, google pushes it right into facebook these ads or these lists update themselves we can run ads to these lists based on whatever whatever it, i mean this is what we're telling you this is a thought exercise so think of the segments you can make out of your database and how you want to target them regularly yeah and I, you know that's one of the reasons we, we kind of changing how we talk about this product a little bit because it is we, it, we it's called the fuel ai powered crm like you said but it's really more of a data activation platform because what it does is it takes the the value of all your data and enables you to leverage that to drive more revenue and so it really it's more than crm it, it's it really is a data activation platform and that's why we love it a lot so i think the one big take home from this episode ladies and gentlemen is that both pete and Phil are now called layer cake. And, <laughs> and that you should be layer caking in all of your advertising across all of your channels. I'd rather be the layer taco dip. That'll work too. All right. All right, taco. <laughs> tacos, tacos. Do you want to be a layer cake as well, Jeremy, or do you feel, you feel left your out? Layer? I'm, he's layer cake. I'm layer taco. What is, what's your layer? I'll be pizza. <laughs> right, pizza, pizza he's a calzone I'll be Princess Leia <laughs> get out of here Englishman <laughs> <Nah. laughs> one of my favorite Disney princesses there you go alright so there, there you go there's, there's a bunch of different ways you can target again hopefully you, you'll take something out of that in terms of thinking a little more about how you target and doing it a little more sophisticated than you were in the past it's, it's certainly not exhaustive if you have specific ideas about how to target that we didn't cover on today's show we'd love to hear from you or if you have an idea of a segment that you'd like to create and you don't know if it's possible please contact us and we'll tell you what we can do for you yeah usually usually we can find a way if there's a specific group or persona of people that you want to target we've for the most part found ways to creatively come up with that so through layering layer caking <laughs> layer tuckering layer pizzaing all those layering things so that, that was a good one, Phil. Thanks for putting the notes together. And hopefully you enjoyed it. Because we, we have lots of people that enjoy our show, Pete. Wouldn't you, know you say? Who enjoys our show? Who enjoys our show? We have a review, I believe. Natalie enjoys our show. Natalie does? What was the what she review said, did she get? What was the score said, out of five? Always look forward to listening. Whoa. Five, what was the number? Five star. I'm five gonna, out of five? Let me run this segment. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Natalie said, always looking forward to listening. Five stars. I'm a revenue management professional with an interest to shift into digital marketing. Discovered this podcast about six months ago and learned so much. Great team with awesome advice. The show notes make it even better. A must listen for anyone in the hotel industry. See, I did not know people read the show notes. I'll be it honest. is the first shout out to show notes yeah. in yeah. iTunes history. Natalie, virtual high five to you. Thanks Thank for you the review. Thank you very much. We love it. Thank you for the love. And if you would like to leave a review, we would really appreciate it. And we'll read it out on the show. Even if it's not a good review, we'll still read it out on the show. And we would take the criticism under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> we might not listen to it. It would be taken under advisement. So, Jeremy, you have a couple of uh, housekeeping things as well. There's some events coming up that we wanted to promote. Oh, yeah. So, the HSMAI Sales Leader Forum it's coming up um, on November 5th and the 6th, and that's going to be in Frisco, Texas. Yeah, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. That is one. We get more details on last week's show, but basically if you have anyone on the sales team that is looking to improve, the, improve their skills, do a better job, then let them know that that's a great opportunity. Anything HSMEI does is great. You should definitely, anyone that's in marketing should be involved or sales should be involved with HSMEI. That's the Hotel Sales Marketing Association International it's it's near and dear to my heart and i think i've gotten a lot of value of it from it our company has and i think anyone in the hotel industry can as well what's the other event so we also have one for marketers um it's the direct booking summit um that's going to be taking place october 22nd and the 23rd in miami 
Yeah, that's that's one that's great for anyone that's just looking to improve their ability to market. There's a lot of great speakers there. There's this weird guy called Stuart Butler that's from the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast that's going to be talking there about on a panel about direct bookings. But there's there's a lot of great speakers, a lot of great in, information there. And we've got to actually, we've got a discount to buy tickets there. So if you want to get the link to that, go to the show notes, which is fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 121. So there you have it. That's all the housekeeping I think we have. That was it. Oh make, no, we make got sure one more. You check hey. your oil and change your air filters regularly. That's right, and get your pets spayed and neutered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I did have one other thing. So hopefully, some people are listening. So we're we're looking to add some fueligans to the team. So if you want to be a part of this dynamic, amazing team, we're looking for folks on the account management side, the software account management, and. Phil, you're looking for some folks in your marketing team I as would, well. I would love to see some marketing resumes. Um, I know we have a handful of colleges who listen to this podcast. If yeah. you're fresh out of college looking for a job, yeah, this I'd is love entry to see level. your skills. We're looking, we always look for aptitude and attitude over experience. So if you're someone that has what it takes to be a fueligan, then shoot us a good old-fashioned email to info at fueltravel.com, and we will take a look. We, we need people because we're being so successful and growing and it's it's a lot of fun but we've got to find some talent to keep keep the momentum going and if you're listening to this show and you've made it this far into this show then i know you're dedicated so please hit us up <laughs> so again that's info at fueltravel.com for any kind of correspondence you want to send whether it's sending a resume whether that's asking questions or whether that's giving us ideas for future topics we'd love to hear from you and then if you want to hit us up individually, Phil, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Rizuk. And Pete. I'm at P-D-I-M-A-I-O. P-D-I-M-A-I-O. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And again, email is info at fueltravel.com. Get the notes to today's show, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 121. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Bow, bow, bow. Layer cake. <laughs> <laughs> Layer cake.